83-year-old Luis Posada Carriles has been involved in a lot of controversial activities over the past 50 years. He's been connected to the Bay of Pigs fiasco. He funneled U.S. money to the Contras in the 1980s, and he's even been tied to the 1976 bombing of a Cuban airliner that killed 73 people. He was also a CIA operative. This month, Mr. Posada was acquitted on charges that he lied to U.S. immigration officials when he entered this country in 2005. The verdict all but assures that no charges will be brought against him for his alleged involvement in other crimes. Joining us now is former Washington Post editor Jeff Morley, who is also the author of a book called Our Man in Mexico, which is not related to this story. Welcome to today's second underreported segment. Thank you. Mr. Posada. Mr. Posada seems to have been nearly everywhere the CIA wanted to be in Latin America over the last half century. How did he come to be connected to the agency? Um, Posada left Cuba as a young man in 1961 um, and joined uh, the Bay of Pigs, uh, the the organization of an invasion force by the CIA. He actually didn't participate in the invasion. He was in a boat that was offshore um, and did not uh, did not land. Um, but in that capacity, he received um, some military training. Um, after that, um, he went into the U.S. Army, and uh, it was there that he became a demolitions expert. Um, and after a couple of years in the U.S. Army in 1965, he was hired back on by the maritime branch of the CIA, which was organizing maritime attacks on uh, the island and, and Cuban government targets. So that was how he became associated with the CIA. But over the years, that relationship uh, developed and grew. Um, and so uh, his whole evolution, uh, his, the whole arc of his career was launched by this uh, 10-year, 11-year association that he had with the agency in the 1960s and 70s. Is he the kind of person the CIA would like to be associated with? On more than one occasion, Posada has said that any civil, a Cuban civilian is a legitimate target in the struggle against Castro, which sounds kind of like the sorts of things Osama bin Laden says about U.S. citizens. Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's clearly a liability, and I think he's now his his association with the agency is is considerably uh, embarrassing. Uh, now, the CIA says that they ended their relationship with him in February of 1976. Um, although they also had contact with him after that. It was eight months after that association ended that the Cubana airliner was bombed in uh, October 1976. And uh, when the FBI and the CIA began and authorities in Venezuela, Barbados, and Cuba began to investigate, they quickly focused on Posada and three other men as the primary, indeed the only suspects uh, in the bombing. Well, who was killed in that bombing? Um, that was the, it was a civilian airliner, and it was a, a, a plane that was carrying the entire Cuban fencing, national fencing team, which was returning from a hemispheric competition in Caracas. Um, two men who worked for Posada boarded the plane in uh, Venezuela uh, and then got off in Barbados, leaving on the plane a suitcase filled with explosives. When the plane took off from Barbados, they detonated that, and the plane crashed in the waters off of Barbados, killing everybody on board. No, that was in October 1976. In the previous June, the CIA wrote a report with the title, Possible Plans of Cuban Exile Extremists to Blow Up a Cubana Airliner. Uh, Did the CIA warn the Cuban government of this possibility? 
No, no. And uh, the, I mean, even after their relationship, their formal financial relationship with Posada had ended, he still felt comfortable enough coming to them. When he offered that warning, he was he was trying to get help, some visa help for his family, and he was trying to trade information for help. And uh, the CIA, I think even at that point, realized he was a, a liability. He had been seen in the company of a drug trafficker. He associated with what the agency described as a gangster element. And so I think that the CIA was beginning to distance himself from them at that point. The other thing to understand that uh, what Posada was doing at that time was uh, in 1976, Henry Kissinger was Secretary of State, and he was secretly exploring the possibility of a diplomatic rapprochement with Cuba. And um, this was a provocation designed to you know, ensure that there would be no communication. And sure enough, it worked. The Cuban government was outraged. They sensed that, that, that this attack had been organized by exiles who had been uh, certainly, you know, had a long relationship with the agency, if not a current relationship with the agency. And so those negotiations ended. So the act of terrorism actually was politically effective. It, it, it prevented uh, the U.S. government from uh, from trying to improve the relations. And we know, you know, even 35 years later, we're still in the same position of having not having normal diplomatic relations. Didn't Posada also serve as a high-ranking official in Venezuelan intelligence, even though he's not a Venezuelan? Yeah, what what happened in the what happened in the 60s was as the as the the war against Castro wound down um after president johnson decided this uh, this uh, the CIA secret war against Cuba simply wasn't going to work. Castro had built up his security forces very effectively, um, and there was no way that the exiles were going to overthrow him. And so um, CIA aid started being cut back. So what the, the, the anti-Castro exiles, who were still determined to wage armed struggle, went elsewhere in the hemisphere. And the Venezuelan government at that point was uh, very right-wing and sympathetic, and so Cuban-Americans were absorbed into the Venezuelan intelligence services, in fact, occupied most of or many senior positions in there. And it, from there, they continued uh, their the armed struggle uh, against Cuba. So that lasted for a while. Posada was, was uh, allegedly the, the, the chief of counterintelligence for the Venezuelan security forces um, from 1967 to 1974. When a new government came in in 1974, more moderate and centrist, um, he was forced out. Um, so that ended the relationship. But, you know, the, the, it shows the closeness of the relationship. In fact, while he was working for the Venezuelans, he was still on the CIA payroll. So he was working for two intelligence services at once. And you said the CIA cut ties with him in 1976. But wasn't he also involved in Iran-Contra, uh, paid six to $7,000 a month by the Reagan administration? Yeah, so... Um, he, Posada was picked up in, uh, on, in, char- in connection with the airline bombing, but was never uh, and uh, was was brought to trial, but never sentenced, um, and never kind of trials were held in secret. The Venezuelan government was balancing off many different concerns. They were trying to appease Cuba, which wanted him prosecuted. They were trying to appease the anti-Castro forces in in Washington and Miami, who who wanted him let go. And so they they were just sort of keeping him in limbo. Um, And then uh, with the help of a substantial bribe uh, from his supporters in Miami, he uh, escaped from jail in Venezuela in 1985, made his way to Central America, where he was picked up by other Cuban exiles who were working for 
the Reagan administration in the secret effort to get around congressional restrictions on aid to the Contra rebels in Nicaragua. And Posada, with his experience in covert action, in flying planes, was picked up as a uh, as a pilot and a, a, a resupply officer in that. And when when the Iran Contra scandal broke, he was he was brought in and interviewed, and um, he said that yeah he was he was getting about six to seven thousand dollars a month at that time to help Ali North and uh, Richard Secord and other people who were involved in the in the secret Contra war. So you know even though he had this notorious reputation, he had criminal charges pending in Venezuela. Uh, that was no that was no obstacle to him being picked up and 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 used as an ally uh, in the in the Reagan administration's secret foreign policy. So, and then in the 1990s, he admitted involvement in a series of hotel bombings in Cuba, which, I, as I understand it, were designed to discourage uh, tourism. And then, as late as 2000, he was arrested in Panama for trying to assassinate Castro, who was on a visit there. But he was eventually pardoned by the Panamanian government. Yeah, I mean, you see this throughout his career. It's 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 astonishing that you know a guy who is quite explicit about his willingness and determination to attack civilians, uh, and he he makes no bones about it. Every every Cuban is a target. Um, and uh, you know, on the plane, he said, you know, those were fifty-seven Cuban communists. You know, uh, and that's a legitimate target. It's too. He, in one of the hotel bombings, when an Italian businessman was killed, he said, you know, it's sad that somebody died, but, you know, we can't stop. So he has this relentless determination to mount armed attacks uh, that uh, that can against civilian targets. And uh, and yet he's never been, you know, he's never been held accountable for it. Well, why did he return to the United States in 2005? Uh, and then um, brought, he was brought up on charges, on immigration charges, not uh, for any of these other activities. Yeah, he he, um, he came back to the United States. Um, I think he was tired of living in El Salvador. Um, he was wearing out his welcome other places. So he snuck back into the country and his plan was to apply for um, political asylum. Um, when his presence became known in, in South Florida, uh, people were outraged, and um, finally the U.S. government was embarrassed enough that they, they started um, bringing charges against him. Uh, uh, and the charge was that he had lied on his immigration forms um, in coming back into the country. Um, there was a grand jury investigation into the into the hotel bombings, um, there's, but uh, he's never been brought to um, brought to justice on the on the on the plane bombing. Um, the U.S. won't um, extradite him to Venezuela, uh, which Venezuela has asked for, because they say, um, well, uh, it, they they've just kind of ignored the extradition request. Then there was a a motion that, or if he was guilty of these um, immigration charges, there was the idea that he could be deported to some countries. And the U.S. explored that, but a, a judge ruled that if he was deported to Venezuela, he would have a reasonable fear of being tortured. So they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't deport him to Venezuela. They've never really made an effort to um, uh, send him back to Cuba or to Venezuela for the, for the plane bombing. Well, our relations with, those, with Cuba especially, and now Venezuela with Hugo Chavez, so bad that the United States government uh, under Barack Obama is willing to protect a man who uh, acknowledges on a tape recording that he helped plan the hotel bombings and was involved 
in the blowing up of a of a Cubana airliner? uh, Hard to believe, uh, uh, but that is true. Um, And, uh, you know, from in in the inside of the U.S. government, you have two substantial forces protecting um, Posada. Uh, One, uh, CIA, which is very worried, um, uh, embarrassed about their relationship with him. And and the CIA continues to hide a great deal of information. the National Security Archive, which has one of the best collections of, of documents about Posada, estimates that there may be another thousand pages of CIA records on his relationship and his work for the CIA that have never been made public. So the CIA uh, is, uh, cannot be um, uh, uh, supportive of the idea of bringing him to justice because that's going to shed, probably shed embarrassing light on them. And then also the Cuban-American lobby uh, has a, a very powerful grip on the uh, U.S. policymakers um, and uh, who have other things to worry about in the world. Cuba is a small country, poses no threat to the United States. And so it, Cuba becomes a domestic political football. Those people, those Cuban-Americans are uh, regard Posada as a freedom fighter, uh, although they're, they're too embarrassed to say that publicly. But they know that if Posada were sent to Venezuela or to Cuba, that would be a victory for those governments. And so Rather than see justice done, they'd prefer to deny our enemies a political victory. So it's it, it's very sad. It's very frustrating to think that uh, the rule of law just can have no place in this, especially for somebody who has such a uh, an explicit and well documented track record of terrorism. But that's the reality of the, of the situation. And uh, with his acquittal on these lesser charges, um, even the even the effort to bring him to justice on lesser charges has failed. Um, there's there's not much prospect of um, of him being brought to justice. Which is something you've written about in the current issue of the Atlantic magazine. Posada's attorney told the Miami Herald that much of the defense was financed with checks of five or ten dollars sent by grandmothers and other Cuban exiles who wanted to help. It's a shocking story, but uh, I thank you so much for sharing it with us. Jeff Morley is former Washington Post editor, and uh, he has a piece in the current issue of The Atlantic on this matter. Thank you.